You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. The Chocolate Lady and that staff back at it. They don't, uh, it's not like Santa Claus, all right, out there at Peterbrook, where Santa takes a much-deserved respite after the 25th of December. They're right back in the shop out there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, getting all those great treats that you love so much. If you haven't been to Peterbrook, where have you been? Got to get by there, that chocolate popcorn, all those great hand-dipped items that you find in the store, whether it's the Granny Smith apples He'll bathe one of those for you in a nice, generous coat of caramel. And then either the milk, white, or dark chocolate they're going to dip that in. They'll put some uh, put some accessories on that chocolate caramel dipped Granny Smith apple, too, for you. Out there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the show by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combined to form... The 60 bit of of Sports Talk Radio. And once again, Jacob, thank you for standing in yesterday, doing a great job, as you always do. That's much appreciated. And uh, let's get ready for a big sports weekend, Jacob, around the University of Alabama, I guess. Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to, to hop on and, and take over. It was a lot of fun yesterday. I thought we had a lot of interesting topics to go over, but yeah. Alabama basketball, one step closer to uh, clinching the SEC regular season title tomorrow against Vandy. Feel pretty good about that. Absolutely. And then, of course, uh, you've got the start of a baseball season. You've got Alabama softball. You've got the Power of the Pink meet with Alabama and LSU. So plenty of activity, plenty of activity, despite the wintry weather from earlier in the week. Looks like we're going to have a – Fun weekend around the University of Alabama. Obviously, we will talk a good bit about Alabama-Vanderbilt basketball on the men's side. Set for tomorrow at Coleman Coliseum, the Vanderbilt Commodores come to town. Struggling, struggling under Jerry Stackhouse just a little bit. Just a little bit. Vandy 6-11 and overall, 2-9 and in the SEC. Monster game midweek from Dylan Dysu. The post for Vanderbilt. He had 29-16 against Kentucky. It wasn't enough, though. Scotty Pippen Jr. I don't think there's a Michael Jordan Jr. I don't think that Jr. is on this Vanderbilt team. But Scotty Pippen Jr., a very good player in his own right for the Doors. Uh, and it's going to be one or both of those guys that are going to have to carry Vanderbilt in this matchup with the Crimson Tide tomorrow. Very good players, but no other double-digit scorers of note for this Vanderbilt team. So, as Jacob alluded to, a real opportunity after the postponement from Wednesday to Thursday to, we'll see, with that road trip to Texas A&M, an opportunity to move closer 
to that regular season title. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line if you'd like to jump on board with us. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, we'll go in depth on Alabama-Vanderbilt basketball. Uh, we will also get into Nate Oates and that contract extension for Nate Oates. Talk about a payday. Friday is usually a payday, right? I'd say it is for Mr. Nate Oates. Uh, has this program, again, on the cusp of a conference title in year two under his direction. And when you start to look around college basketball, we're getting to a transition cycle, a transition period, it feels like anyway, when you consider just the Blue Bloods in college basketball right now. Look at Duke. How much longer is Coach K going to keep scrapping it around like he is? Scraping around. I mean, K can pretty much count on a top three recruiting class on an annual basis. So I don't see him just walking away from that kind of talent. But you talk about a tumultuous season. It's been tough on everybody. But Duke, a prime example of struggles during a COVID-impacted season. North Carolina, Roy Williams. How much longer is Roy going to bang around in Chapel Hill? You got NCAA issues at Kansas. Cal struggling this year. The Sharks are circling a little bit up in Lexington. Probably not to a point of buying into it, but safe to say the Kentucky people aren't happy. This isn't Kentucky basketball this season, the kind that they sign off on. So you consider not just the annual the annual carousel that is college basketball coaching, really college sports in general, college football for sure. But you think about the kind of jobs that might be coming open here in the very near future, and it absolutely makes sense. And, again, the success of this team this year, and you consider where recruiting's at. you got J.D. Davison coming in here next year. No signs of slippage on the recruiting trail, really. Uh, this staff has shown you that in addition to being successful, as it relates to recruiting with the high school prospects, they've successfully gone out, worked the junior college ranks, Keon Ellis, James Rojas, these last couple of years. They've worked the grad transfer route successfully. Um, Jordan Bruner comes to mind instantly. They've worked the transfer route in general with Javon Quinterly. So uh, program in very good shape. Very good shape, and Greg Byrne and the University of Alabama, very wise to try to keep things status quo and come with that big bump and, again, the big buyout as we talk about potential openings in our midst uh, in the world of big-time college basketball. Also, from a football perspective, we will get into some transfer portal talk. That transfer portal, the transfer portal stay hot, stays hot. And we learned earlier today that Ali Cahoe looking to make the move from the University of Alabama. Three years in the program for Ali Cahoe, inside linebacker, who actually was set to play at the University of Washington coming out of high school, was able to get uh, a release from his UW scholarship and made his way to Tuscaloosa. And it's tough at Alabama. It's tough at just about any spot on that football team to make good use of that window when it presents itself. And when you think about Ali Cahoe's three years at Alabama, and man, he's been a really good special teams player. He's what they call a core four. Any of the core four special teams units, uh, you could pretty much expect at some point or in, in, in cumulatively, Ali Cahoe was going to be a part of those core four special teams, and he was really good in those areas. Had a couple of block punts in 2019. Uh, but as far as the inside linebacker positions go, 2019 was that year for Ali Cahoe to make his move. Year two in the program, Dylan Moses, Josh McMillan go out with those August knee injuries before the 2019 season, and that was the window. In retrospect, and Christian Harris jumped right through it as a true freshman. Shane Lee started every game at middle linebacker in 2019, 
And so then you've got Christian Harris embedded at weak side linebacker going into 2020, and Dylan's coming back. So that's pretty much got you locked out there. And even with Dylan Moses moving on after the 2020 season, Christian Harris does return as an every-down guy at inside linebacker. And in the 2020 season, what we saw beyond Moses and Harris was Jalen Moody. And then there's still this very real possibility out there for 2021 of Henry Toa Toa joining the mix from the University of Tennessee. But really, when you think about that opportunity for Ali Cahoe, it was in 2019, really probably August and September of 2019. Because even into the season two years ago, Alabama, Ali Cahoe was, you were seeing him getting legitimate reps at inside linebacker. They were playing different guys. But that window... It shuts quick, and you've got some young players. You think about Ali Cahoe, and yes, he's important on special teams, but there's guys coming, Demoy Kennedy, Jackson Bratton, guys that can very much fill that kind of role as well. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. Let's go there right now. We'll check in with Deacon first with Johnny on deck. Deacon, how you doing? Doing good, brother. Doing good. How you doing? I am doing super, sir. I, uh, I was just going to make a comment on what you were talking about, about the Blue Bloods this year. Ask your opinion. I've heard a lot of people say it's a COVID issue, which to a point it is. But the Blue Bloods have become Louisville, Kentucky, North Carolina, Kansas, Duke. They've become the bastions of one and done for the most mm-hmm. part, especially Calipari at Kentucky. Now, don't you think that, that more than the COVID issue, it's more of a continuity issue where – with COVID, they haven't had the opportunity to be together and, and practice and work together as they normally would in a normal non-COVID year. And so basically what you've got is a, a team of high school all-stars. You've got first-year college players, high school all-stars, but they've not had the chance to become a team yet. Don't you think that's more of the issue than just to base it simply on COVID? Yeah, I think I think you could say too, though, that COVID, as you alluded to, impacted even that because the regimen that's typically in place has been largely disrupted because right. COVID, of COVID. COVID's the cause of it, but um, it just you know, and and I sure. look, and it's funny that it's across the board. Uh, for the most part, the blue bloods that have become the home of the one and done. Um, because they get the five stars and, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky, they may have between those four schools may have every one of the top 10 players in the country. Um, and they all know they're going to play a year and go pro, but they just haven't had the time to build a cohesiveness as a unit. Right. And so that's the reason you're looking at a Kentucky team that's, you know, sure. winning less than 40% of their games. Well, maturity is huge, and I I talked about this with Cecil Hurd a couple weeks ago and drew the comparison to even football. Look at the maturity level of that Alabama team in the football season. Uh, The older teams, the more experienced teams, are being rewarded. I don't think there's any doubt about that, especially when you talk about, uh, look at Alabama basketball this season. Herb Jones been around. John Petty been around. Alex Reese been around. Uh, You bring in a veteran in Jordan Bruner from Yale. Uh, and when you're 22, I'm not saying you always make the greatest decisions at 22, 23. I know I did not, but you're probably more apt to be able to deal with an on-the-fly scenario and not get distracted and not become discouraged. You're maybe a little more resilient. You've done the college life thing. You know, there's right. other aspects to this, too. The day-to-day life of college students in general has been changed greatly. So you're oh. dealing with that side of the thing as well. And when you're 17, 18, 19 years old and encountering it for the first time to begin with, yeah, I, don't, I, I think youth is, 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 is uh, it's more of a concern this year than, it, than it's been in previous years. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, Travis, when, when I was in college in the 80s, um, you look at it, you know, you feel like you're fixing to get your first taste of freedom. 
Well, these kids, you think about freshmen on the football team this year, what they had to go through and the, the obstacles they faced. You know, they're basically going from what they thought was not freedom actually felt like freedom their senior high school year as compared to what mm-hmm. they're going to have to do their freshman year in college. And, and that, speaking of the basketball team, I yep. cannot say enough for Greg Byrne, go ahead and, and, and extending NATO and the administration, but also just looking at the team, Herb Jones to me is just heroic. The, what he, I played sports and, and what he has played through just astounds me. It literally astounds me. He plays through pain every night and gives it, leaves 100% on the floor. And to hear, you know, listening to Coach Oates talk about him, it just really brings home, you know, what that kid is willing to put on put on the court for his teammates and his school. And, and it's just, it, I love watching this team. It, it's, it's my favorite team since Wimp was a coach. It's a lot of fun, no doubt about it. Anything else, Deacon? That's it, Travis. You have a good day, brother. You do the same. We appreciate the phone call. Deacon checking in on a Friday morning. And I think he said it with Herb Jones. It's not just that he's played through injury and pain. It's that he continues to play the way Herb Jones plays. It isn't always pretty. It isn't always that Herb Jones plays well. But he plays with every ounce of his being. And even when he's not comfortable, and he's obviously uncomfortable in certain circumstances, you get the same Herb Jones. And I do think Deacon made a point about what these freshmen had to go through in their first year. I think there's a dividend to that if you're Nick Saban on on the football side and, and also Nate Oates on the basketball side. Because in terms of the regimen and the discipline that's been required to do what say Alabama football did and what Alabama men's basketball is in the process of doing. And also the women's team with a win last night at Florida, it looks like they're going to make their first NCAA tournament since 1999. There's a benefit big picture wise to that. Everything else is going to seem easier. I got to think if you're a first year player at somewhere like the university of Alabama, let's go back to the phone lines and let's check in with Johnny on a Friday morning. Johnny, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, sir. I got a very important question for you. You mentioned a crockpot chili type soup. Yeah, pawpaw soup. Yeah, pawpaw soup. Did you put? So, am I correct? You're putting onion soup in that with? You here's what you you just you just do some uh, you just do some ground beef. You do uh, that Lipton's onion soup mix. You just pour it in there in the crock pot. And then you do some uh, crushed tomatoes, you know, some canned tomatoes. And then a little bit of a little bit of beef broth in there, too, you know, to soup it up. And then you just pour in those uh, frozen mixed vegetables. That's all you got to do. That's it. And you're going to have pawpaw soup. Hmm. It's great stuff. I, You know, I'm probably off a little bit. I need to, the, the chocolate lady, the chocolate lady's awesome because before my grandfather passed away and like my grandmother too, she made sure there were like three or four things between those two that you just, you you couldn't beat, right? I'm sure you had grandparents like that or do, or, you know, we all have. And, uh, you, you had to get those two or three or four things from them before they left us. And, uh, pawpaw soup was definitely one of them. Yeah, I have that. I have that uh, three or four sheets of paper written down. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm going to give it a try because uh, you know it's freezing down here in Florida. So I think it's <laughs> <today>. <laughs> South Florida blues, man. The South Florida uh, blues. Yeah. yeah, we got a cold front coming through. I think it's going to be 75 tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear I you. Gotta- I hear you. I just wanted, I wanted to pose a question to you. What do you think is going to – I mean, first of all, the SEC, they have that, um, like, Alabama in 60 where they'll do, like, the whole season. And I caught that the other day, and I was watching it, and I was thinking to myself, you know, the, the belly is as full as it's ever going to be. I mean, that was about as perfect a season other than Waddle getting hurt and, and uh, 
Landon getting hurt, it was perfect. I mean, the kicker didn't even miss a kick. I know. So it's crazy. I, and it's crazy. And then you beat the teams they beat: Ohio State, Notre Dame, you know, Florida, Georgia, Auburn. You can't you can't draw it up any better than that team. This, and, this and season I, they had. I was watching the so, same. Sick. I was watching the same thing, Johnny. I was going to add real quick. This team won the Rose Bowl too. You know, I mean, you're yep. not going to immediately remember it that way because it wasn't played in the Rose Bowl or in Pasadena. But that goes down. Rose Bowl champs on top of everything else, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, or with everything else, not on top, but yeah, with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything other than those two injuries that you could add in your perfect, you know, make-believe season. It was just unbelievable. No, no it was. So, so it got me thinking, and I, and I it made me think of to ask you, because you follow the team so closely, you know, when you kind of, when we, what we have ahead of us, obviously, you know, it's going to, you have to have a letdown at some point. Come on, that was just too perfect. I mean, I don't, so the two questions were, who do you think we're going to miss more? A certain player? Or Steve Sarkeesian next year. Uh, I'm always going to go with uh, I'm always going to go with the Jimmys and the Joes, and I and Sark was great. Don't get me wrong, but you know, as I've talked about before, think about what Sark inherited in 2019. I mean, he inherited a ready-made quarterback situation in Tuatanga Vailoa. The four wide receivers were still intact. And while there was attrition in as much as anything, you could give Sark a lot of credit for what we saw in 2020 and how that team did adapt after the injury to Jalen Waddell specifically. All the credit in the world to Steve Sarkeesian. But you're going to have more of a makeover on offense in 2021 than you've had probably since 20. 2016 or so now you had that stretch in 14 15 16 uh, where you had quarterback you know questions quarterback competitions new quarterback so you know that isn't entirely new but I'm just talking about just based on what Sark had during his two years full years on the job and what Bill O'Brien's walking into it's much more of a revamp for Bill O'Brien than it was in my opinion, either of the two years that Sark was at Alabama. Yeah. And that's because of people. I'm sorry. And that's because of the people, the players, you know, the talent. My only concern moving forward with the quarterback situation is he just physically looked, he's obviously very talented, incredibly talented, but physically looked very small on the field and, it makes you kind of wonder, you know, because Mac Mac looked apart, you know. He kind of he grew to that, obviously. So mm-hmm. you wonder if, it, if uh, Bryce Young could grow to that, you know. And it's Mac, tough because Mac had three years basically to get there, and Bryce missed a spring that he should have had last year. Um, had a very different kind of freshman year, like the other newcomers. Uh, but I think. Johnny, you're just going to have to adapt your your way of looking at this guy as more along the lines of a Kyler Murray or you know that kind of player. And um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be as dynamic uh, as as Kyler Murray, but I, I think he has that type of skill set. I'll tell you what I liked about Bryce Young last season was on third downs when they did let him throw it. He hit a lot of third down throws, and I know it was mop up time and and things like that. But you know, I I think the guy has a real chance to be special. Uh, is he ready to be that in year two, especially on an offense that's going to have a lot of changing faces around him? I mean, they're going to it's going to be a lot to ask, but I, I don't think they're going to be afraid to ask it of him. I guess is what I'm saying. Right. Well, I know you got to get to your break, but I just want to say this, too, real quick after watching that um, 60, Bama and 60. Credit goes to Najee Harris. The guy was unbelievable. And, and the thing that it stuck, you know, that stuck out to me is he never fumbled. As many nope. carries and hits as that guy took, rarely did he put that ball down. Had the one at Ole Miss on the late whistle 
forward progress had been stopped at the goal line and you know that's college football they they let the whistle just sit you know that it's not like the nfl at all and so he had that one but you're right um throughout his career just money when it came to ball security on top of everything else hey johnny we appreciate the call yes see you later take care stay warm down there johnny trolling us with the south florida blues here in mid-February. We're going to head to our first break. When we come back, Charlie Potter, BamaOnline.com, joins us on a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. Alabama. This is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports, and it's brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama head football coach Nick Saban announced the addition of Jay Valai to the Crimson Tide staff on Thursday as the cornerbacks coach. Valai arrives in Tuscaloosa after one season coaching cornerbacks at the University of Texas for then-defensive coordinator Chris Ash. During his time in Austin, Valai helped the Longhorns' Josh Thompson earn second-team All-Big 12 honors after making 28 tackles with three tackles for a loss and an interception last season. Valai was a four-year letter winner at Wisconsin, where he captained the Badgers' 2010 Rose Bowl team. He earned second-team All-Big 10 honors in 2008 and 2009. He totaled 153 tackles, four forced fumbles, and a pair of interceptions in 48 career games. He also appeared in four bowl games with the Badgers, including winning the 2010 Big Ten Championship and advancing the Rose Bowl that season. I'll have more in a moment. Everwood Treatment Company is wood treated right. Everwood is the most technologically advanced pressure treated wood available. That means no rotting, no decay, no problems. Just wood treated right. Everwood is your treated wood source and the official pressure treated lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you're looking to add or replace decks, outdoor structures, or commercial jobs, choose Everwood for wood treated right. If you need it, we'll get it to you. To locate your local Everwood store, visit everwoodtreatment.com. Everwood Treatment, official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We've got you covered for Alabama men's basketball against Vanderbilt on Saturday afternoon in Tuscaloosa. Alabama remains atop the SEC standings at 12-1 in conference play, while Vanderbilt is 2-9 in the league. Tip-off with the Commodores is set for noon central, with our coverage on the network beginning at 11 a.m. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports. The sky becoming mostly sunny this afternoon, the high 41, clear tonight with the low at 23. And over the weekend, the weather turning warmer, a good supply of sunshine tomorrow and Sunday. The high tomorrow 54, Sunday's high at 61 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And at this time on Fridays, we like to check in with my colleague there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for us there at BOL. No shortage of topics for Charlie Potter on this Friday morning. And Charlie, as we bring you on here, I guess we'll start with your report along with 247sports.com earlier today pointing out that senior linebacker Ali Caho has entered the transfer portal for the Alabama Crimson Tide. How did that one strike you, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't come as too much as a surprise because you know, Alabama's pretty stacked at linebacker. I know they're losing Dylan Moses and a guy like Josh McMillan is is turning pro, but you still have guys like Jalen Moody and Shane Lee uh, who've played a lot of football and, and really 
you know, last year when we saw uh, Christian Harris go down with an injury and um, kind of the first guy off the bench was Jalen Moody. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked about it on our podcast with the possibility of Alabama even adding to that position group with a, a transfer and uh, Henry Toa Toa. Of course, that's not official or anything yet, but just a possibility. I mean, the, the room is, is pretty stacked. And I think, you know, with Ali Cajo, uh, he's a talented player. He's a guy that was just a, a special teams ace, really, for Alabama these last three years. But you know, the, the window to get on the field there at that inside linebacker position is not a very wide one. And um, you know, maybe he just sees greener pastures, um, you know, down the road. And you know, for him, he's a guy. I know he's dealt with stuff off the field and things like that. But for him to stick around for three years, give it a shot at a place like Alabama, you got to commend him. And, and now he's taking the, the opportunity to to look elsewhere. He actually shared on social media a pretty lengthy play, uh, lengthy post thanking uh, Alabama and, and Nick Saban and, and the support staff and all those people for his time. And uh, now he's going to be moving on. That's the, the sixth transfer Alabama's had, whether it was during this past season or this off season. And it's just kind of the way that the college football is these days. You're going to see that. And um, you know, for a position like inside linebacker at Alabama, you know, these guys, if they don't get on the field after a few years, it's, it's likely they're going to look elsewhere. Alabama loses a piece in Ali Cahoe, but adds one uh, in Jay Valai, the cornerbacks coach that has come on to replace Carl Scott in the secondary there for Alabama. And we had talked in previous uh, appearances uh, by you here on the program and also on the Bama Online Podcast about sort of the ingredients, the recipe that you expect Nick Saban to follow at this point when it comes to making this hire. Would you say that pretty much all of those ingredients were checked this time around? Yeah, I mean, you look at, he's the the fifth official addition to this on-field coaching staff. Of course, you know, the two former NFL head coaches were brought on to to coordinate the offense and to work with the offensive line. And then you had two guys that are pretty well-known as recruiters and Robert Gillespie and um, Jay Graham. And I think just reading Nick Saban's statement with the release of the the hire being official of, of Jay Valai, he said that he's an excellent young coach who possesses outstanding knowledge and enthusiasm for the game. And he added that he's a really good teacher and an outstanding recruiter who works tirelessly at his craft. So, you know, I think just that statement alone, that that's what you expect from a, a Nick Saban coach is, um, you know, he, he's a good developer of talent and he's an outstanding recruiter who's going to work hard. And I think that's, that's really what you have to have to, to work for Nick Saban, especially, uh, with a younger guy in the profession, and that's what Jay Valai is. So um, it makes a lot of sense. I don't think there was a shortage for people wanting this job. Uh, but, you know, Jay Valai, he, he's been a busy guy just moving around the country and, and landing these new gigs, which in the coaching profession I guess you can't be mad at with, um, you know, having an opportunity just to work at some, some great places. But it seems like he's settled in on Tuscaloosa, and, and by all accounts, just from what he brings to the table as a, a recruiter and a a young coach, an up-and-coming coach in the profession. It's not like Alabama be a pretty decent hire. Speaking of decent hires that seem to be settling in, Nate Oates uh, gets a nice extension, a big bump in pay. Uh, we talked about this earlier in the program. Uh, you look around college basketball in general, not just the carousel that seemingly spins on an annual basis, but the potential for the blue blood type jobs to maybe come open a little bit more in the next year or two than what we've seen in the last decade or so. Um, sensible, I guess, from that standpoint. But also, uh, Charlie, if, 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 tell us what you know about the renovation. I know you sat down with Greg Byrne, athletic director here recently. The pending renovation to Coleman Coliseum. And I guess in some ways, if that's going to be a little bit more out there, Pretty smart by Greg Byrne to financially compensate the head coach at a at a high clip. Yeah, I mean, with what Nate Oates has done this season and a, a quick turnaround, really, of the roster, uh, it, it makes sense for him to get an extension because you're right. I mean, there are blue blood programs out there that are struggling and um, having odd seasons. So you want to try to ensure um, your program as much as you can and, it makes a lot of sense, even though you know, Alabama's yet to make an NCAA tournament. I think we would all be shocked if that doesn't happen this year. But we haven't seen just what he can do there uh, with this team. And of course, you know, you get a few more recruiting cycles in here and, and really see what the program can look like. But 
it, it makes sense. And then, you know, financially to, to compensate him, I think it's probably at the, the top of the list in terms of priority because what um, you know we just outlined there. But in in terms of Coleman, um, you know, they of course with the the Crimson Standard they did. Uh, phase one first, which included uh, Brian Denny Stadium and the Malmore Athletic Facility, and I believe Road Stadium, the softball stadium. Uh, and then, you know, they're going to complete that. I think that's almost done, if not already finished, and then move on to phase two and see what that looks like. And with the pandemic, there's obviously some financial realities um, that they have to take into account. And then, uh, you know, Greg Byrne, I think more than anybody, because it's probably the number one question he gets is, uh, he knows that people want to see at least a, a refurbished arena, if not a brand new one. And, um, you know, they, they want to see uh, or make sure they have a long-range plan for what works for the basketball program. Of course, in gymnastics, too, because that's going to be over at Coleman as well. But, um, you know, they have some, some money they have to make up, but I think that's really where the attention is going to turn now. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, I, I think it's clear that they're investing as much as they can into the basketball program. And with the success Alabama's had on the court this season, it makes sense to, um, you know, ensure that they have NATOs for, for a while longer. Of course, you know, anything can happen. Teams, if they want, can, can make offers and things like that. But I think it helps Alabama in this case to, to hope they have them for a few more years. You got some pretty good buyout protection. I would say with Nate Oates. By the way, I think Nate going to address the media here, maybe coming up in a little bit. Who's who's going to ask him for a loan? Do you think in that, in that press gathering? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll see if he can uh, at least find my lunch. Uh, <laughs> talk to him. Uh, I think we're actually going to talk to him about ten minutes. So, uh, for, well, okay. I say that. Um, I don't think Alabama's been on time for a single Zoom call this year, but he'll be talking here pretty soon. All right. Well, hit him up for a loan coming up here on that Zoom call. <laughs> hey, um, Charlie, the, the game itself tomorrow, Alabama men's basketball hosting Vanderbilt. Um, I'm, I'm sure the, the the narrative going into this one is to you know, not leave yourself exposed against a, a subpar Vanderbilt team coming in here because Vanderbilt has one on the road um, at, at Mississippi State here recently. Pretty good Mississippi State team. I believe Vanderbilt went in there and thumped them pretty good. So uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot of that, too. Oh, yeah. I, I, outside of talking about the contract and things like that, um, you know, the, the talk of not overlooking Vanderbilt would be big. And I think it's advantageous for a couple of reasons that they didn't play the Texas A&M game because, one, you get some rest for guys that are banged up. We know Herb Jones was battling with that back injury, even though he looked really good last time out. Uh, to get him some some days where he's not just you know taxing his body is beneficial. Same goes for a lot of other guys that are dealing with injuries. So you know that's beneficial. But you don't um, you know the Alabama A and M game I think was one that uh, people were looking forward to, even though A and M's near the bottom of the uh, SEC just because they go back on the road and uh, it's one step closer to to clinching the SEC regular season title. But this is a matchup between the top team in the in the league and uh, the bottom team in the league. So yeah, I mean it's it's going to liken to Kind of like last year's, um, you know, I, I hate to, to mention football and talk about basketball. It's one of my pet peeves. But the Arkansas game last year, it was sandwiched in between a mm-hmm. uh, regular season game and the SEC championship. And, um, you know, Nick Saban and, and those guys were, were talking about how they can't overlook this team. And I think that's what Nate Oates and the players will do today. Um, I think, like you said, I mean, Vanderbilt's shown they're capable of of beating anybody they haven't had a lot of success with that this season but you don't want to in this final stretch when you're trying to accomplish something as it happened uh in a long time you, you don't want to overlook a team and you get thumped on your home floor yeah you mentioned arkansas in relation to football but man the matchup wednesday night next wednesday night in fayetteville uh the two best teams in the sec i don't think anyone would argue especially right now with arkansas playing at the level that it is uh the trap the the prototype trap game tomorrow at Coleman Coliseum for Alabama. Charlie, as we let you go here, I know it doesn't feel like it, but we're going to have some hardball and softball around Tuscaloosa this weekend. Are, are you are you energized about the the uh, the start of baseball? Not just with Alabama, but your Braves. Uh, were you pleased with your Braves off season? They got Ozuna signed and wrapped up uh where you at on your your baseball feverometer i guess you could say yeah it doesn't feel like it from a weather standpoint 
that's for sure. But uh, no, it's exciting. Um, you know, heck, I mean, we've talked about it numerous times. I mean, to, to be able just to, to have live sports to, to watch and enjoy is something mm-hmm. I think that we cherish a little bit more now, uh, given, you know, we saw baseball season get short, uh, get cut short last year. But no, the Braves, I mean, to, to get a Zuna back, to, to add some starting pitching help, uh, I think is you can't be much happier than with what they did. Uh, in the off season, and then for for Alabama baseball, just you know, hearing from Brad Bohannon and the players this week, I think they're excited to get on the field. Um, they're still a, a young team. You know, they have some recognizable names back in the lineup that Alabama fans are going to be familiar with. But uh, it's a young team that hasn't played a lot of games because, as we all know, their season was cut short, seventeen games in, one game short of uh, a start of SEC play, and they haven't played in what 10 11 months so i think they have a lot to prove you know we've seen them get some some notoriety and some preseason rankings and then you know, we saw the sec with the coaches voted for the preseason and alabama was picked to finish last in the sec west and with 12th overall so yeah i mean it's uh it's an opportunity for them to, to prove themselves and i think a lot of people are excited to watch uh, what this team can do with the joe this season good thing about uh connor prelip being your friday night guy on the bump for Alabama baseball is that on a day like today with that three o'clock first pitch, I think Connor can get you out of there before dark. You know, he can get you out of there before the don't even need to turn the LED lights on with Connor Prelip at a three o'clock start. He'll he'll deal and get you out of there. Well Charlie, as always, we appreciate the time, my man. Always great stuff with us here on Southern Fried Sports, but certainly all the time at BamaOnline.com with Charlie Potter and the rest of our staff. Have a great weekend, Charlie. All right, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter. Charlie Potter does an outstanding job for BamaOnline.com. If you haven't already, give Charlie a follow on the Twitter, at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T-T-E-R. And, of course, Bama Bash, Alabama softball. You've got now LSU for two games, right, this weekend? Gardner-Webb couldn't make the trip. So uh, you have two non-con games against a top-10 team in the LSU Tigers. I told you on Wednesday, your Saturday's set, man. Your Saturday's absolutely set. 12 o'clock, Alabama-Vanderbilt men's basketball. 2 o'clock, stumble over to the Joe, watch six, seven innings. 4 o'clock, you head over to the Rhodes House, and you got Alabama LSU softball. That's pretty doggone good Saturday afternoon, if you ask me. Alabama women's basketball, by the way, we talked about that earlier in the show. Big win on the road last night in Gainesville over the Florida Gators. Florida likes to play some zone defense. That doesn't match up so well against this Alabama team. But the Crimson Tide now 7-6 and six in the league, and will get Mississippi State for senior day on Sunday afternoon at Coleman Coliseum, continuing to try to make their way to the NCAA tournament on the women's side. So you got some big women's basketball this weekend as well on campus. Going to head to a break. We come back. Pops. You know what we're going to talk with Pops about today? Did you know that Pops once tried out for a team in the World Football League? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to ask Pops about that experience and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier, returns right after this. Sky becoming mostly sunny this afternoon, the high 41, clear tonight with the low at 23. And over the weekend, the weather turning warmer, a good supply of sunshine tomorrow and Sunday. The high tomorrow 54, Sunday's high at 61 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. And on Fridays, we like to wrap up the week with the one, the only, 
Pops, who joins us now on the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. Pops, as we bring you on here, how did you perform on Valentine's Day? We were worried about that. How did you did you come through in the clutch, Pops, for Nana? I thought I thought I did real well. I I, I got her a, a great great Valentine card. Wow. Yeah, I was proud of that. A great one. And and and, uh, and I, I didn't get her any Skittles this year. She was kind of disappointed. Were they out? <laughs> but uh, but I did her, did get her some very nice kisses. Hershey kisses. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You went all out. Yeah, I went all out. Any uh, any Dixie roses or? No, I believe it or not, I went by there and I wasn't happy with what they had. So, huh? So I I, I kind of skipped those this year. So a card and some Hershey kisses. I mean, what is Nana in the seventh grade or something? I mean, that's what I got my seventh grade little girlfriend. You know, <laughs> for Valentine's that's Day pops, as, that's as good a card as I and, can some, do. and some Hershey you know? kisses. You know, Hershey's kisses. They're Jeez. a new kind of. They're like uh, they're the deluxe her- kisses, chocolate yeah. cherries or something. I don't oh, know. Oh wow! Ever. Yeah, wow. They're they're special. You know, they have to be did special you, did, on Valentine's Day. Did you write a sort of romantic note in the card? Yeah, but forever pop. Uh, <laughs> that's what she's scared of. You know, forever yeah. <laughs> it scares her when you write that pops. Oh Lord. Hey, Pops, do you really like sports this time of year? Because you get the college baseball and the softball going, you know, with the hoops. And uh, you like the college baseball and the college softball. You been oh, to yeah. any games I so far? I follow both. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I usually go to both. Uh, and I'm planning on doing that this year. But this, this pandemic, you know, I'm, we don't go as much. We won't be going as often. Uh-huh. But I do enjoy it. What about our Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Double A affiliate? Jumbo Shrimp. Any Thirsty well, Thursdays? They gonna they gonna uh, they gonna crack the, the Thirsty Thursdays? You know. Yeah, move to Triple A. Yeah. We're we're big time. We're getting to be big time, and uh, that's always good. That's always a good time of the year. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they'll have limited seating, seating, and and that'll uh, affect the Thirsty Thursdays. You know. Yeah. We worry about you on those thirsty Thursdays. Oh, those thirsty you know? Thursdays are, are terrific. Yeah. The yeah, he likes to stay, you know, he, is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, you've talked about that. He likes to stay all nine innings, maybe oh, some yeah. extra innings. We don't go home early. It doesn't matter what the score is. Uh-huh. We sit uh-huh. there to the very last out. Very last out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, you know, Pops, I'm reading this USFL book by Jeff Perlman. As a kid of the USFL growing up in the 80s and living in a town with a USFL team, I mean, it was it was awesome. It was absolutely the best. And I know we had teams in Birmingham, Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando ended up with a team. New Orleans made a cameo in the league. New Orleans actually went Boston, New Orleans, Portland. That was the USFL with the Breakers. Um but it got me to thinking. I remember you telling me you tried out for the Jacksonville team in the World Football League, I guess it was, many years ago. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. 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 That was a now, few days ago. Uh-huh. A few days ago. <laughs> now, was that just an open call? Yeah, you it just... was an open tryout. And, uh-huh. uh, they, it was in the paper, you know. They were looking for a punter. And, and we went out there. There was probably 10 to 15 guys out there. Mm-hmm. And there was a guy that could bomb it. Yeah, and he was completely on a, uh, another level for me. I, I couldn't believe this guy wasn't playing for somebody. Yeah, but uh, I enjoyed it. I didn't make it, but I enjoyed it, and uh, and it was good to you know to see the the competition. I enjoyed watching the competition too. Pops, were you a two step punter? Yes, that's it. One, two, no boom. more than two steps. Yeah, you can't do more than two. You, you don't want to get that ball blocked. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you preferred, your preference, I believe, was to punt with just a sock on, if you could, but I guess you couldn't always do that. Yeah, I I, I, I like to kick and punt with, with just sock, socks on. 
just couldn't do that. Now and, you uh, would you would you would tote you would kick straight on field goals, but just with a sock on. Yeah, yeah, with a sock on. How'd you do that? And not break your toes, pops. <laughs> it, 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 it never did hurt my toes. I don't know why. I don't understand that. What was Where, going did on? You, did you hit the I, ball I, with I, like my, the at, at con, the contact point? Just felt better with a sock on instead uh, of a shoe. Huh. And you kick straight on with no shoe. You better catch it just right. You know that. Oh yeah. I would think. Yeah. I, I, would, I used to. I enjoyed punting and kicking and stuff like that. I enjoyed football. Period. Mm-hmm. 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 What sport would you say you were most naturally gifted in? That I was what now? Most naturally gifted in. What was what was your natural sport? What oh. came easiest to you? <laughs> I get, I'm sure that would have to be baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, I, I, I enjoyed baseball a lot. I just and 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 I love football and basketball, but I just wasn't good enough in either one of those. wasn't mm-hmm. tall enough in basketball, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I wasn't big enough for football. Wish you were I, a little I, bit I taller. Wish you were a I baller. Enjoyed yeah. it. But yeah. baseball, I guess, was. Was about all I could do, and you—you uh, uh, always I, had the eye hand. That. You always I, had the eye hand coordination. You were a good tennis player back in your day. Pretty good. I enjoyed tennis. I sure did. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I wish I could still play. So, you didn't uh, enjoy golf as much because everybody cheats. You can't enjoy it like you'd like to. No, I, the, what I, I enjoyed golf, but what I enjoyed more than the golf was the scenery. Yeah, I love. Because golf courses look so nice and her and all that, and I and I enjoy watching other people play golf too. And cheat, you know, but they all but they all cheat. And watch, enjoy what the other guys play. But they all cheat, right? Huh? They all cheat at golf, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. The provisionals, you know, they like those provisionals. Gimme putts. Yeah. 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 But. Thing about golf, the only person you're cheating is yourself when you do stuff like that. You know, that's 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 the only person that's being affected. Game of honor. I did. I I enjoy the beauty of the golf course. Yeah, hard to beat. Hard to beat. Well, pops, uh, have a good weekend, my man. And we uh, appreciate the trip down your World Football League memory lane. There, we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Yeah, I'll talk at you later. There he goes, Pops, on a Friday. That's going to do it for a Friday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Appreciate Jacob Harrison, as always, producing the show. Charlie Potter of BOL, and, of course, Pops, rounding things out for us. Lunch whistle on this Friday, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, north of the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Always great. The weekend certainly no different. You'll find the Alabama-Vanderbilt game on those television screens tomorrow at lunchtime. At Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Landed.